I mean, obviously everybody likes money, but if money is the only motivation, it's probably not going to suffice. So you really, really, in, at least in my opinion, really, really need to like what you're doing because potentially it's going to take you years and years and years and years to get anywhere. This episode is brought to you by SBC Summit North America, the biggest sports betting and iGaming event of its kind. Their highly anticipated event returns this summer on July 12th through 14th, which will bring together all of the major players in the fast-growing North American sports betting and iGaming industry for three days of high-level discussions, business meetings, and networking. The program also includes SBC's First Pitch, a startup pitch competition that will bring together the most exciting startups in the industry, competing for a grand prize before a judging panel of leading industry investors. To learn more and secure your ticket, visit sbcevents.com. All right, we are back with episode 27 of the Betting Startups Podcast. And for this one, we're joined by Thomas from SnapOds. Thomas, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thanks, Jesse. Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Excellent. I've been looking forward to this one for a while, Thomas. You and I, I think, first met uh, three or four years ago, pre-pandemic, I think at an ICE conference in London, if I'm not mistaken, and I've uh, been sort of loosely following the SnapOd story over that time. So I'm really excited to dive in today and chat with you uh, about the entire journey. And maybe just to start, Thomas, for folks listening, if you could give yourself a little bit of an introduction, maybe talk about some of the major chapters of your journey up until the founding of SnapOds. Absolutely, yeah. Actually, indeed, it was a couple of years ago, I think you were back then at Pinnacle. You met at Ice London, yeah, yeah, totally remember. So yeah, a few words about me. So I'm um, out of Austria, Vienna, born and raised there. I started with computing and, and software pretty soon. So we have kind of like specialized schools over there where you can start with at, at the age of 14 or 15, you know, doing something specialized in my case for software development that got continued to a university level where I finally managed to, uh, in London at the Birkbeck College, get a master's in computer science. So that was always, you know, a really, really strong interest of mine doing tech and, and somehow, you know, how can tech be used? And I seem to have an affiliate with, you know, uh, let's say merging tech and media, so to speak. And professionally speaking, you have a couple of interesting chapters of your journey, which I want to spend a few minutes on before we get into snap odds, because for me personally, Thomas, I think of you as a serial entrepreneur and a couple of the other chapters you've had in your journey are what I think are quite iconic companies and businesses. And I want to ask specifically about, uh, and this is maybe going back some number of years now. So if you'll indulge me, uh, you were a co-founder of last FM and, um, you know, for folks today that are listening, I'm sure we all have Spotify accounts, but many number of years ago, uh, last FM was one of the major popular audio players on the internet back in the day. I remember scrubbling all sorts of songs. I think it was scrubbles that it had. Uh, I just want to ask a little bit about that time, Thomas. Um, how did you get involved with Last FM way back in the day? And what's what was your involvement, I guess, in the Last FM journey? Sure. Thanks. Um, and thanks for calling them uh, iconic. <laughs> that's uh, okay. that's very, very, very charming for, for us and the team back then. So yeah, Last FM, I met, you know, my co-founders, um, we were all, let's say, exiles from Austria and Germany. Over in London, so I moved to London in 2000, and uh, somehow you know you meet each meet each other through the let's say Austrian slash German expat community. At the time when I met them, I was a software developer for high frequency trading in the city of London. So it's kind of like maybe not really what Last FM was about. Then um, fortunately 9/11 happened, and quite a few software developers, freelancers like myself in the financial industry in London lost their jobs. Obviously the market situation turned down back then. And so yeah, I looked at what these guys were are doing at um, my friends in you know from Austria and Germany, and they they had some sort of Japanese electronic music label called Insign, 
and somehow try to make that, you know, bring that to the next level and, you know, collaborating with them. I finally got the idea of having this, let's say, personalized radio stream where recommendations drive the, the user choice or the choice made by the system for users. And that kind of like the key moment was actually when I thought, how can we take InSign to the next level was when I actually bought something on Amazon and there was the famous Amazon, you know, recommendation algorithm saying customers who bought that also bought, sorry, bought this also bought that. And then I was like immediately connecting the dots thinking, hey, people who listen to this maybe also listen to that, right? So it was all tied together into, and let's say, seamless experience where you don't have to leave the browser to look for recommendations and then maybe download the tracks from somewhere. So yeah, and back in the days, it was um, the first kind of like automatic recommendation music system. So yeah, now it's of course standard, like but back then it was quite something, I think. Yeah, I think I used Last.fm for probably five years. And I think RDO, if folks remember RDO, it's now been uh, retired. But I think RDO for me was the successor to Last.fm. And of course, Spotify has now come in and taken over everybody's world. So here we are. We're not here to talk about music, though, Thomas. We're here to talk about Snap-ons. But thank you for that uh, diversion. I was just really interested to, to ask about that. Uh, such an important, I think, company in in uh, such an important category with music streaming. But coming back to Snap-ons, for folks listening, can you just give a very high concept overview of what Snap-ons is and maybe... What led you to come up with the idea for it after many other successful chapters of your professional journey? Yes, of course. Thanks again for the, for the flowers. Um, so we, after London and my 10 years there in London, I joined the company as a founding chief technology officer called Jumio. People in the, in the betting space might know it because it's, I think, the de facto market leader in yeah. ID verification, not only in the gaming space, but also in, you know, financial services and similar. So of course, Jumio was using the mobile and desktop camera to read identification documents like driving licenses, passports, etc. And uh, after four or five years there, I was invited to the home of an imp- like one of the collaborators of Jumio, like the CMO at the time, I think it was, um, where I watched the Super Bowl game and saw that one of the advertisements in that Super Bowl game was, you know, marked with this Shazam icon at the time. Mm-hmm. So, and I saw how people wanted to interact with the television by pulling up the Shazam app you know, it's a bit, you know, till you get it, till you listen, till you find the button, et cetera, the ad is already gone. And somehow, you know, working at Jumio and always thinking about computer vision, how can you use the camera? It was also like a very close step, like back then with Last.fm and InSign to think, hey, why don't we use the camera to detect what's on TV? And then, you know, apply that to to some interesting concept or context. And the context at the time was, you know, I thought, hey, why not show the odds? Because it was obviously a Super Bowl game. So, yeah, that's you can say it it came to be as the origin story no that, that that's that's a really good one and yeah shazam for betting definitely makes a lot of sense and uh, obviously shazam has become a ubiquitous app on everybody's phone as well over the last 10 years so definitely makes a lot of sense thomas and i guess you know from that moment where you first had that idea during the super bowl uh what happened after that right uh sort of how soon after that did you actually decide to proceed with exploring this idea and then starting to invest in the development of what is now the underlying technology yeah so um of course, when I got the idea, as you said, you know, it was 2014, early 2015, I was still at Jumio and there, when I eventually left, it still took a, you know, maybe half a year to assemble a team and, you know, get um, also to some market research on, is it really something that's going to work in terms of market adoption? Is, isn't there some other tech that will make it obsolete in year one or two or three? And whatever technology I researched or whatever solutions I researched, 
to bridge the let's say offline to online gap from TV to to well or, or the internet more or, or, yeah offline to online as in internet or mobile from the TV all of those let's say other solutions were extremely siloed meaning yeah maybe with a certain uh, you know with a certain TV you have a certain button right or maybe with a certain cable provider you have a certain button etc but um, to offer a bridge that's you know used by everybody it cannot be siloed meaning you know it has to work for all the TVs for all the stations for all the TV sets etc so that took like half a year to come to the conclusion yes we need this kind of like offline to online bridge and ideally it's via the camera since obviously audio is a bit problematic with let's say muted TVs or especially with sports in noisy bars etc sorry for the long answer <laughs> yeah, that's all right um and you know I, I'm not a technologist necessarily in the same way that you are as a, as a computer scientist. Um, but, you know, developing technology like this to me seems very complex and I have no idea what's under the hood to, to make Shazam for sports betting a real tangible thing. And I'm just curious, Thomas, if you could talk a little bit about just the process of developing technology like this and obviously not revealing any secret sauce here, but just for folks that are trying to understand how somebody goes from this idea of being able to hold your phone up to the TV uh, and connecting the on-screen match with live odds on the phone, you know, developing that type of technology, how challenging is it just to just to develop something like that? And what's the scale of the, I guess, R&D required to bring that to life? Well, I mean, I once um, <clears throat> saw this documentary, I mean, not that I'm comparing snaps, snapbots to, to a NASA project or the the landing, but I remember seeing these um, documentaries of the moon landing, and I was always like, "Wow, I mean, how is it ever possible?" And some guy at, at NASA, or some some guy at the documentary was like, "You know, it's at the end of the day, it's breaking the biggest problem can be broken down to individual steps, and that's true for such astonishing accomplishments like going to moon or Mars or soon Mars. It's also like for a relatively small compared to that, like snapbots. Meaning, I guess first it starts with being in the problem domain. Meaning, I was already working with computer vision at Jumio so that you have some sort of idea of the path, right? Yeah. So that's, um, that, you know, it's somehow you it would say it's a gut instinct or gut feeling, but you know, somehow it can be accomplished. And once you kind of like uh, decided on, yes, it's theoretically possible. Then I think the next step would be assembling the team, estimating the cost, discussing with the team, what would be the steps, what's roughly the development timeline. Do we have enough, you know, motivation, money and uh, resources and also skill to do that? And then, you know, like the longest journey starts with the first step, then there will be obviously many setbacks, many problems, but you just continue, continue, continue. And a few years later, bam, you have it. And let's do a little bit of a deeper dive then on the SnapBods product itself. Uh, again, for folks listening that might not be familiar with it, can you just give a little bit of a deeper dive description on, on exactly sort of how it works and maybe how it adds value uh, both to the end user, but also how you're productizing it with B2B partners. And just talk about sort of how, how it adds value to both participants in the ecosystem. I will start with the ads value, right? Sure. So that's, that's the last one. The, so we focus in uh, for the snapbots of course of course it's the, the sports betting industry so here we focus on the two major let's say players in that in the us which are the sports betting operators on one side and of course the sports media affiliates that help driving new players to those books so for the operators and for the sports media alike we greatly improve the user experience while also providing really a tremendous utility. That's actually something our one of our investors, the lead investor, 
uh, Light Danzig from Shop Alpha really liked about us that it's a rare, rare combination of actually improving the user experience and providing utility and providing conversion and monetization. Usually you have to choose, you know, one out of three or two out of three, but here that's this kind of like unique blend. Next to that, of course, the wow effect, whenever you try that product in a bar, like Marlene and I, we went down here in Miami next door to sports bar. Whenever we try that product, you know, and show it to people, I mean, the, the jaws drop and they're like, wow, how is that possible? Right? So that's kind of like this wow effect. We believe and strongly believe will continue retaining and driving users back to apps and websites that embed our technology, right? Actually, one prospect once compared it eloquently to the park assist of a, a car like, let's say, Tesla, or I'm sure there are many other brands, but in this respect, it's Tesla, where he said, um, this park assist is maybe not why you buy the car, maybe not, maybe not the only reason, but it will certainly make you think twice before you change to another car, right? So that's because you like it so much. It's this kind of like this, this favorite sticky feature. And there we think we can provide that to apps and websites of operators and sports media affiliates. Excellent. So do I have it right, Thomas, that the model then is the partners that you're speaking of, they take your technology and they integrate it into their own offering. Like how does it federate with their core product and core technology and core platforms? Exactly. So it's a B2B2C offering we do, right? So it's Android, iOS, and the mobile web or JavaScript SDK that gets embedded into those apps and websites of our partners. I want to zoom out a little bit and just talk about the betting industry in general, right? As you say, with Snapbots, it's been a few years into the journey now. And even prior to that, your time with Jumio, which you you rightly pointed out, is a very large provider to a lot of operators in the industry. And I guess just looking at the overall industry as it exists today, what are some of the trends you are seeing out there in the landscape? And, and you know, how are those trends creating opportunities for Snapbots? Yeah, good, good question, actually. So one trend is certainly the rise of in-play, right? Meaning uh, our technology is obviously most, let's say, most valuable or probably exclusively valuable for in-play games. Meaning that uh, you bet to events that are actually televised, because otherwise, of course, our the whole step technology wouldn't make any sense. So that's uh, the, the rise in in-play, certainly a driver for us, as well as the general appreciation, let's say, of players and users of convenient experience and generally innovative products. So I think these these three trends, which are kind of like predictable and kind of like you would say natural and, and known, but it's also a fact that they're probably the core of what's driving our future adoption and current adoption. Awesome. And as far as geography and market focus goes for SnapBods, I mean, I'm, I assume you're you know trying to, to get it out everywhere, but is there a particular geographical focus uh, that your team is focused on right now? Is it the US market or are you uh, agnostic and just looking anywhere there's opportunity across the world? Well, both. I mean, it's obviously yeah. since, you know, we got funding from, um, let's say the lead investor is obviously Lord Danzig from Shop Alpha. We, of course, promised and execute on that promise to help especially in the US where we also think it's the, the natural fit because of course, let's say, I don't know, I don't have an exact number in my head, but let's say 90% of, of the world's technological innovation, especially in, in computers originated or co-originated in the US. And here, of course, this strong fascination with sports, which is even fascinating for me every time. So I'm obviously from Europe, so where we also have sports, but this kind of like fascination is really, really breathtaking. Number one, number two, also the 
development, um, as, as Marlene also pointed out previously, the adoption of also the average player to, to you know, how can we capture the average player? There also our tool helps a lot, you know, so you don't have to be an expert in finding all the games in the apps. You just point it to the screen. So that also speaks for the US a lot. And then last but not least, of course, we offer in, in other jurisdictions, no question, but if, let's say the focus of the proactive efforts are certainly focused on the US. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense, Thomas. Um, you've made reference to the investment you received, I believe last fall it was, uh, you raised a seed round of financing, which was led by Lloyd Danzig uh, at Sharp Alpha Advisors. And I'm just curious, Thomas, if you can think back to that time, uh, six or eight months ago, when you were out there fundraising, what were some of the things you were hearing from uh, prospective investors at the time, just about the opportunity you're pursuing? And uh, what was some of the feedback maybe you heard from investors along the way that uh, you took on board and have sort of used this input as you're charting out the, the roadmap for the future? Absolutely. So Decision number one was, you know, where, where to deploy and where, where to raise, of course, is it, is it more Europe? Is it more the US? Is it somewhere else? And, um, we were part of a few accelerators before one of them Techstars, also one accelerator called sports tech, Tokyo run by, um, scrum ventures. Not sure if you know it, it was also a very good program. And I spoke to our MD at Techstars as well as our MD at spot tech, Tokyo and I think they even used the same words when I asked them, you know, what they think about the sports betting market and landscape in the US at the time. This was almost a year ago, right? And they said like sports betting in the US is, and this is the quote, like beyond hot, right? <laughs> so it's like, uh, okay, well, it sounds good. And then from there, um, I actually met uh, Lloyd already before I started raising through some other, I think it was through Sand Hill Angels, through a common um, acquaintance there. And Lloyd was like, you know, if you ever think of doing something with that tech over in the US, let me know. And from then on, you know, Lloyd and, Lloyd and I were like immediately, you know, got off well. And it was actually rather, rather seamless, just ticking the boxes of, of formalities, you know, doing the due diligence and, and, and also convincing others to join us. And uh, people like Benji Charniak is also a co-investor and advisor. So obviously a very, very old name. So it's a dream team to be working with, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic people to have in your corner behind you as you're out there uh, growing, growing stuff. Yeah. Um, I actually want to ask as well, you just mentioned Techstars, the accelerator that you joined and Techstars is obviously quite a well-known accelerator. And I just want to ask Thomas, what led to the decision to go into an accelerator with SnapOds and particularly given that you are a serial entrepreneur and you've had, you know, successes in the past. And I have to assume you have a well-established network and credibility and a lot of these things that I do think other entrepreneurs that go into accelerators maybe don't have, but you did have. And I'm just sort of curious to understand what led to your decision to put SnapOds through that program and what did you get out of it at the end that really helped you get to the next stage? Absolutely good question. Let's say, um, if, well, number one, you don't know everything, right? <laughs> so, it's very true. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, of, of course, spend a lot of time in the US already with Chumio, but at the time I've also got to admit that my capacity was not as a CEO. It was a, mm -hmm. my capacity was CTO. So that's obviously a very different focus. So my um, exposure to, let's say, the legal aspects of running a US business were certainly not as strong as it's nowadays, as well as the experience with last FM was also in the UK where it's a bit different, of course, even though it's English speaking, but obviously there are differences in the market as well as the legalities. Techstars uh, really convinced us by, I think their vast network of number A accelerators, which is obviously in, in many, many 
many cities and many, many different themes or, or focus areas. Number two, also before actually signing the documents to officially join this whole, you know, those first touch points and the kind of like preview of what the program looks like, what it's, what's, what can we expect. And there's also quite a lot on the web. So they have quite some interesting, let's say, previews of, of what you can expect. And it was very convincing. So um, for anybody, regardless of what your expertise is, maybe you're good in tech, maybe you're good in marketing, maybe you're good in sales, maybe you're good at this or that, you will never cover it all. And even if you're like 10 co-founders, which certainly brings, would bring its own problems, but even if it's 10 of you, you will know it all, right? And you need somebody, you can literally I'll call at 3 a.m. saying, hey, you know, we have a really, really crazy situation here. What shall we do, right? And then uh, they got your back. I also want to ask you, because of all of your experience and again, serial entrepreneur, you know, for you as a successful entrepreneur and founder and thinking about the next generation of entrepreneurs that are coming up, what's one piece of advice you would give to somebody earlier on at the start of their entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, good question. Actually, uh, for me, it was more 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 a coincidence because it was not, we were not aware when we started last time what, what would become out of it. It was more like a, like a, let's say, hobby project for all yeah. of us because we liked music and we liked discovering new music. I think about um, talking of maybe taking the analogy of hobby equaling to passion. So you have to be really passionate about it and you have really have to be, I mean, obviously likes, everybody likes money, but if money is the only motivation, it's probably not going to suffice. So you really, really, at least in my opinion, really, really need to like what you're doing because potentially it's going to take you years and years and years and years to get anywhere. And if you don't like it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I would agree with that. And there's also going to be a lot of hard days where there's probably no money to be had. And if you're only in it for the money, those hard days are going to be even harder if you're not passionate about what it is you're doing. So I completely it's Most agree. of the days it's like that. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, like the money pressure until it's sold and you're like on a hundred foot yacht or something. I mean, whatever you want to do with money or if you ever get to that stage. Just kidding, of course. But <laughs> till, then it's, um, till then it's like, you know, trench, trench warfare every day, so to speak. Right. Very much so. Uh, trench warfare, uh, living on a roller coaster, whatever metaphor you want to use. But yeah, definitely is, uh, uh, you know, not for the faint of heart, is it? But you learn, you grow with it, right? I mean, otherwise, um, nobody, I mean, there are other people do it. So why, why can't you? I mean, you can learn everything, almost like, or get to it. Absolutely. Looking forward now, Thomas, we have the you know second half of 2022 still ahead of us here. And as you look forward to the second half of the year, what are the main focus areas for SnapBots for the rest of the year? And what does a successful 2022 look like for you? Exactly. Well, uh, I think this 100-foot yacht would be sufficient. <laughs> short of that, just kidding, of course, short of that. Um, so we are very happy to be in the pipeline and the rollout with a few operators here in the US. So of course, even our product is extremely, you know, extremely valuable or the operators we presented to they're like really excited as well as sports media these guys still have their own realities their own roadmaps so they were not you know waiting for us to knock on their door so that's also something for the for the young uh, or let's say new new entrepreneurs and founders be patient because sometimes it just takes a while it doesn't mean your product sucks or they don't like you or whatever it just need to be sales reality that you have to queue up with many others right so we're happy that we are going to go live very, very soon with the first operators. I cannot reveal yet who, because it's under NDA, but it's going to be uh, very soon. And then uh, a few more 
for 2022 to launch, same for the sports media. So making sure that these launches go well, that we prove our value to both, obviously, the first B, in, the second B in B2B2C, our customers, as well as the third, the, the C, so you know, making sure that the chain of happiness is actually delivered as well. Well, looking forward to hearing about these announcements when the time comes. We'll keep keeping our eyes open for that. Uh, my final question, Thomas, and my standard closing question for all guests, bit of a fun one. If you weren't working on snap odds or in sports tech or in betting, or if you weren't working in, you know, music recommendations or identity verification, and none of these things existed in a parallel universe, what would you be doing instead? Question. Question. I mean, I actually thought about it before. I guess a boring answer would be uh, maybe I was probably maybe still be Jumio CTO. It was not. It was actually quite quite a great great job, great environment, and it was actually snapbots that pulled me away from there. Mm. Yeah, maybe it would build rockets flying people to Mars. A similar, I don't know. And, uh, but it's like really, it's really hard to tell. But um, from my experience, um, usually one company leads to the next in yeah. terms of ideas, and um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like a linked list, a blockchain. A blockchain, nice. Well, uh, maybe we'll the, the next company in ten years' time will be uh, a new rocket company uh, competing against Elon, right? Well, uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe VR rockets, right? It's yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, for people listening, Thomas, that either want to get in touch with you, learn more, more about SnapOz, or just maybe understand the product a little bit better, how would you recommend they go about doing that? Sure. I mean, please, guys, go to snapbots.com. There should be a contact form, but there is not should be. There is a contact form and book a meeting, which actually directly hits my calendar. So we are very open, be very happy to catch up and follow up with every, every of you guys. Excellent. Well, Thomas, I'm glad we finally got to get this episode in. Uh, it's been great to chat with you today, learn more about SnapOds. Looking forward to staying in touch and uh, best of luck for the rest of the year to you and the team. Thanks, Jesse, and uh, thanks for having me.